0: Putin will never be successful in annexing Ukraine as Russia was not successful in annexing Afghanistan and nor was the USA. Not that they were trying to annex it, but they were trying to...
1: Britain before that? Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. Yeah, the British couldn't do it in America. I mean, you can't dominate what is essentially a different culture.
1: Welcome to Insert Human. I'm Chris Colbert. As the former managing director of the Harvard Innovation Lab, I realized many things, and one of the things I realized is that the pace of technology-driven change is faster, far faster, than most organizations and most people's ability to change. That gap equals risk, vulnerability, and eventually long-term viability, and it's a particularly troubling gap in the three sectors that underpin modern society, banking, education, and healthcare. It's the biggest existential threat they have, and by extension, we have. Closing the gap requires transformation, and transformation requires a much better understanding of ourselves, because at the end of the day, all transformation is human transformation. That's why I created Insert Human, a weekly conversation with brilliant people about better understanding us, and in doing so, shrinking the gap and increasing the chances a better outcome for all. Before we dive into today's episode, an offer to all the listeners who are leading some sort of transformation effort. I've learned that the key to a successful transformation, organizations big or small, begins with adopting seven critical habits. And while most of the leaders I've met have nailed some, rarely have I seen any honed to an innate, really effective level. To find out how you're doing with The 7 Habits, you can get my guide, The 7 Habits of Highly Transformative Leaders at chriscolbert.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Insert Human and another conversation with Richard Baird. If you're a follower of Insert Human, and I'm pleased to say there are many thousands of followers around the world, which I'm grateful for, They have heard Richard's wisdom before. I reached out to Richard recently to talk about what is going on in the world and this whole idea of the world at war. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I do a little bit about Richard, if you haven't listened to his prior two shows on Insert Human, he is, well, firstly, he's a friend of mine, and I'm very grateful for that. You know, I I define the measure of my life by the quality of the relationships I have and Richard is a is a critical part of my of my world. And as I said, very grateful for that. He is also, in addition to being my friend, a truly globally recognized thought leader in values-based leadership, cultural transformation, personal development, and the metrics of personal, cultural, and societal well-being. And he and I have had lots of conversations about that last piece. And he's also the president of the Academy for the Advancement of Human Values the founder of the Barrett Value Center, the leader of the Global Humanity Awareness Initiative, the developer of the Barrett Culture Analytics for Organizations and Global Wellbeing Indicators for Nations, a fellow of the World Business Academy, a former values coordinator at the World Bank, and finally, a founding member of the V20, B stands for Values Task Force of the G20. So Richard, thank you for joining me again today on Insert Human.
0: Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I'm really excited and looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, and thank you for That's the good.
0: very kind introduction.
1: You're welcome. So let's just start with a grounding, if you will, for the audience in your, I'm going to call it the Richard Barrett belief system, specifically around <laughs> worldview dynamics and and consciousness. So just because I think that is the sort of the yeah. playground, if you will, for us to then begin to examine what's going on with Ukraine, Russia, like what's what's happening here? So just give us a short short version.
0: Yeah, well, a very, very brief history. I I started mapping the values of organizations to a model called the seven levels of consciousness model, which is an extension of Maslow around 25 years ago. I spent a lot of time working in organizations. And three years ago, I decided to set up the academy to focus on deep personal transformation and at the same time on societal transformation.
1: No small task.
0: Uh, Yeah. And so... Yeah, I'm a little man with big ideas, let's put it that way. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little man with
1: little ideas, but keep going.
0: <laughs> okay, well, don't be too modest, Chris. <laughs> so uh, I've been very interested in deep personal and also societal transformation. So I developed a way of mapping the well-being of nations a few years ago, and so i and I wrote a book on that. That was my last book. It came out a year ago, last January, called Worldview Dynamics. And the, there you go Worldview Dynamics and the well-being of Nations.
1: It sits um, on my desk every day. I have not. Okay. I read it and I sat here for, I don't know, about a year now. So.
0: Okay, well, well
1: move, it, move it over slightly
0: because there's another book. I'm, 80, I'm 90% done on it called The Wars of Worldviews. And it picks up where this other book left off. And goes into a deeper understanding of where, how was it originated. Now, I was, the history of this book goes back to last August or September when I read an article in the, um, well, I don't know whether it was, it was one of the British political papers and it was it was going on about Huntingdon's Clash of Civilizations which was published in 2002 and I thought, you know what, that book is nonsense. I realized that Huntington was, he was very much listened to at that time, and it formed a lot of US policy. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, what Huntington did, he demonized the Muslim world. Mm-hmm. And that that was exactly what was people wanted at that time, particularly in the USA. So they said, oh, well, yeah, this must be true. Well, it isn't. And I have lots of reasons to say that. So I was angry about that. And uh, and then I, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, I need to set the record straight. And it's not a clash of civilizations because civilizations don't clash. What clashes are worldviews clash. And so I decided to write this book, the second book on worldviews, to show how worldviews are formed and how they clash with each other to create wars. So not just wars between countries but wars inside countries like brexit for example mm-hmm. i won't call exactly a war but it was a clash of world views and in fact most of what's happening in the world is can be seen as a clash of worldviews so that's we, what this new we, book is about
1: luckily we don't have anything like that happening in the united states
0: <laughs> not too much no <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I've, I've got a whole chapter on the USA in this new uh, book.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about worldview war through the lens of what is happening in the Ukraine and sure. Russia's encroachment, invasion, whatever you want to call it. What is what is actually going on there underneath the called the yeah. mechanism of of war?
0: Well, what's what's going on is the the playing out of Putin's miserable childhood. Really? Yes, exactly what's going on. You see, our worldview is formed during, and I'm explaining this in my new book, our worldviews are formed in the first 20 years of our lives when our mind and our brain is very malleable and and we're adapting to whatever's going on around us. Well, poor old Vladimir was, was brought up in Leningrad. His father was a got wounded in the Second World War. He didn't really have a very good job. His mother didn't have, they lived in a one room apartment with other families. He was pretty much left to look after himself. He was bullied. He had to survive. He just had a hell of a life. I'm not, this is not an excuse. I'm just saying this is Mm -hmm. what happened. Mm -hmm. So his whole belief system was around, around how do I protect myself and how do I survive? That's The basis of who he is and and these subconscious beliefs are now playing out at a larger level and the reason they're playing out at a larger level is because this and this has also happened with hitler too it was the same thing he had a shocking childhood but what happens when you feel abandoned at the early stages of childhood and you don't feel like you belong because you're not loved by your parents, you don't know what empathy looks like, you don't know what compassion looks like, so you've got no idea what what that feels like or how to do it. Well, what happens is that you transfer this need for approval, which every teenager goes through, not from your parents who are not there, to your country. And you start to speak about your country as terms of the motherland and the fatherland. And so you identify with the country. You are the country. The country is you. And so in protecting the country, he's protecting himself. He's playing out all these subconscious beliefs about surviving, which he learned during his childhood, basically. And that's that's the root of what's going on. And um, if you look at um, all the world leaders, you can see, you know, which, which ones had that type of childhood and which ones didn't. And, and that is going to be a big part of this new book, understanding that the worldview that you adopt is a, really a function of your child rearing, the child rearing you received. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of conclusions that lead from that about the future for humanity. But I, I, I'll save that till later. So the, that for me is, is the key.
1: So the idea is that the Ukraine represents. He is sincere about protecting Russia by by forcing a buffer between the Russia yep. and and the NATO NATO states. Yep. Is that the it's idea? It's all about
0: it's absolute protection because he never had any protection when he was a child and a teenager. He didn't have any. So he's and he's been saying all along he needed that protection, you know. And and the NATO has been ex- expanding eastwards and not listening. To what he's been saying. And finally, he's saying, Well, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. This is now, I'm not excusing him. I'm just saying that's what's going on. And he couldn't take it anymore. And he already annexed Crimea. And then he also now has, you know, annexed these other two eastern provinces. So it was interesting today. I mean, you know, in the negotiations, the 15 point plan came up, which they're now discussing seriously, which makes Ukraine neutral. That's the latest news today. Now, the, if, if Ukraine had adopted that stance, and if NATO hadn't pushed a little bit, or the, then we might have avoided this war. However, in the big picture the, of the evolution of human consciousness, this particular war is a game changer, absolute game changer. And... The pain of this war, I always say pain is positive. There's going to be a, another positive outcome exactly as there was after World War II because Putin has now isolated himself. He, the war between, if you like, of the worldview between democracy and authoritarianism is now fully engaged. And the power, the power of the West through Let's call it his pocketbook. I mean, yeah. his wallet. Yeah, serious money.
1: Serious money. money
0: yeah, serious. And and so this also is interesting because businesses who are all about making money have sided on the on the side of values, right. and particularly democratic values, which is what I've been talking about for 25 years now. Right. But it's now it's now out in the open. It's now like, okay, yeah, business has to stand up for the values and important values of freedom in society and we are prepared to put our profits at stake in order to do that that was interesting let me just i'll finish here and then speak again but it was interesting i think it was just before last weekend not this weekend the weekend before shell in the uk bought russian oil at a depressed price because they thought we can make profit friday over the weekend, Shell got so much flack from everybody that on Monday they announced they weren't buying any more Russian oil.
1: No. So, what you do you know? think? What do you think this represents in terms before the before we started recording? You you mentioned the state of, of global human consciousness sort of has an up and down trajectory. Sure. Like what is what is the world response, particularly the Western world, they'll call it the democratic world's response, including corporate corporate world. What does that reflect about the state of collective consciousness and and values?
0: Represents a shift from about 50 years ago. I mean, even even, there's been a huge shift even in the last 20 years around a focus on environment, a a focus on climate change. Mm -hmm. But now when it comes down to what I call the fourth level of consciousness, which is the level of freedom and individuation, You remember a little while back, the Arab Spring, which was all about that fourth level, about people, educated people going back to these North African countries and wanting to individuate and self-actualize, but found themselves in a regime that didn't allow that. So that whole idea of individuating and self-actualizing is now becoming more and more important and visible in the world. And that's one of the reasons we can talk about this later, but I decided I'm I I developed the Humanity Awareness Initiative, which is all about helping people individuate and self-actualize. So it's actually all about the psychological development, which has been progressing in the terms of worldviews since we were hunter and gatherers. That was the survival level. And then came tribalism, and that was the relationship level. And then came the Romans and the, the Greeks and Genghis Khan, and they were all into power and male domination and and that's when things started going wrong for women frankly six thousand years ago and um, we haven't really got over that we're still trying to except mm-hmm. in some countries mm-hmm. which where they have individuated and self-actualized like the nordics and new zealand and switzerland and um, the majority of leaders in those countries are all women whereas you don't find that anywhere else because
1: right. Right.
0: yeah the, this is this individuation of actualization is happening anyhow i'm off i've got off target here but no 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 no, no
1: so on the one hand there's 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 been a evolution of consciousness a positive evolution right. of consciousness over the last right. x decades on yeah. the other hand in researching for my book that i've been writing the autocracy movement is alive and well, and there's something only like 8% of all countries are pure democracies and exactly the bastardization of democracies, lending tending towards dictatorships. And even in our own country, there's this, there's this worry that somehow, you know, the next, the next uh, regime is going to turn it into a full fledged autocracy, you know, and trample all democratic principles. So how do you reconcile the good news reckon, yeah, ra- raising, rising consciousness and the bad news, which is aut- autocrats appear to be winning the day.
0: Yeah, well, and this is one of the, another reason I, I wrote the book. You're absolutely right. I mean, less than 8% of the people live in full democracies, but then there's quite a large chunk of people live in this, what we call failed, flawed democracy, including the USA, which is regarded as a flawed democracy, by the way. And, accept uh, that label. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not mine. It's the economics Intelligence Unit there. And, it, and actually, you've been descending in terms of flawed democracy. I've been measuring that with my global well-being indicators. Anyhow, so, but you see, there is always a progression forward. Now, it's, I find it interesting that the authoritarians, like Xi Jinping from China, they point at the USA and say, well, if that's democracy, we don't want it. Because you've got riots, you've got people in the Capitol taking over the Capitol, and all of that Donald Trump nonsense, you know? Right. And he's right, because to tell you the truth, USA has not been a terrific example of running a democracy. It is, it calls itself a democracy, but, you know, why does the Economic Intelligence Unit call it a flawed democracy? Well, for many, for several reasons, but it is, it is not a good example, but we see what these autocrats who point to USA and say, well, it's not a this is democracy, but we don't want it. They don't point to the Nordic nation. They don't point to New Zealand. They don't point to these, these smaller countries which have evolved in consciousness in an amazing way and are absolutely meeting their better than anybody else and meeting the needs of their citizens. They seem to ignore that. So but
1: is that, so not, is that not? Sorry, go ahead. Is that not? And I wrote about this also in, in researching the rise and fall of empires. There's this piece I came upon by this guy, Sir John Glubb, titled The Fate of Empires. And he pretty convincingly describes what happens to empires, why they fail, sure. and, and uses the British Empire, references the US sort of state of affairs. But one of the things he calls out is one of the things that does empires in, which is a terrible thought and a terrible truth, if it is true, is diversification of the population. That as Rome took over more and more countries or more and more tribes, trying to establish sort of uniform ways of governing and standardizing belief systems like, it basically is impossible. And so if you look at the high-performing democracies, they tend to be in countries that are more homogeneous, Like, Yeah, home, absolutely.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. And this is why Sweden is having a, a bit of a problem at the moment, because they're, you know, being very open-hearted, they accept all of these immigrants, perhaps more so than other countries, and now they're having a problem integrating them. There are parts of S- Stockholm where you can't no-go areas because it's like, you know, like Chicago in the 50s, ruled by like mafias. To say that about Stockholm is really something extraordinary. Yeah. And they're trying to deal with that. It's not quite as true as much in these other, but you're right. The home the the integration of different and this is again is worldviews. It's an integration of one worldview with another worldview. And it and it's and it can only happen over multiple generations. Uh, so you, you get these people coming in. With a different worldview, I'm not saying it's better or worse, right but they have run. a different right. worldview, and and then in order to adapt to this other worldview, it does take two or three generations.
1: But you're For saying it is, it is achievable that you can assimilate.
0: Oh, I think so. I think so. I I mean, you know, I I don't want to hold up the UK as an as an example, but you know, we have a lot of diversity in the UK, and we have lots of problems in the UK. But there has been, you know, there has been quite a good integration, I think, particularly of people from India, Pakistan, Caribbean, and, you know, you walk around London and you see people, I mean, I went for a walk in Regent's Park the other day, and I mean, my wife and I, and we didn't hear anybody else speaking English. <laughs>
1: I love that. I think that's great.
0: It's not great for everybody. It's not great right. for the people who are brought up in the poor suburbs of Manchester who never felt loved and have the same sort of upbringing as Putin because anybody who is foreign is, you right. know, you can't trust them. And uh, you, Hitler, same thing. He had a terrible time with Jews because of his childhood. Right. So...
1: Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, I mean, so it's on is it is a problem. And of course, when you build an empire, you you have all of these different areas and tribes and nations, if you like. Well, you can't get them to coalesce. This is why Putin can't win in Ukraine, because there are parts of Ukraine which are very Russian, and those are in the east, but the majority of Ukraine is is different to Russia. I've right. actually I mapped I mapped it on the global indicators and Actually, when I look at the profile for Ukraine, it's quite different in certain areas than Russia. However, Putin will never be successful in annexing Ukraine as Russia was not successful in annexing Afghanistan and nor was the USA. Not that they were trying to annex it, but they were trying to.
1: Britain before that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. Yeah, the British couldn't do it in America. I mean, you can't dominate what is essentially a different culture. And these people will fight like mad to protect their sense of identity. So identity is really the key here, understanding identity. And he can't win. In fact, he's already lost everything because he's lost his credibility in the world. He's lost the credibility of Russia. There were so many people investing in Russia. He's lost the credibility of the economic world. I mean, he's just on a downward spiral right now, and he's looking for a way out.
1: Well, to I was save actually, it. yeah, I was I was watching a little bit of the news this morning, and they referred to him. You know, they they said outright legacy. His legacy is that of a war criminal, like just straight yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's not that's not going to change. Like, he's not no, no. going to be able to like somehow rebound from that. But let's talk no, a little no. bit about about the Ukraine. Ukraine well, can I just people? add one thing on that Absolutely, one? Absolutely, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's not going to rebound. nor I mean he's going to have to fight his own people who more evolved if you like and a higher different a different a different worldview because right. the hundreds of thousands of young people are leaving Russia Russians are leaving because they can't stand this and what they're afraid of is what I think could happen in Russia and that's Putin will go in the direction of Stalinization,
1: right, right, right. yeah, we'll and it will become them. impossible yeah. to live there. Yeah.
0: Anyhow, I just wanted to add that because he, no, he can't win. Yeah. So there's go a ahead.
1: collision of the of the call it dictators' worldview and the and the worldview of many of the citizens of the country, like. Yeah.
0: right Yeah, because they're evolving in consciousness, and that's why they. This is where the clash of worldviews come in. As you evolve in consciousness, your worldview changes.
1: And in contrast, it seems like the Ukrainian worldview between Zelensky and the, his people is shared. That the, the uniform response and the, the level of courage being showed, not just in the military but with civilians, is just—it's phenomenal. And it's yeah,
0: because is because they're all embraced worldview that says freedom, right? Freedom, and it's the worldview of what I call people awareness. It's a similar worldview that made the Nordic nations into what they are, and what is helping, you know, other nations to move in that direction. And I guess I'll go ahead. I was going going to ask
1: back to Putin and his worldview relative to the worldview of China and India. Right. And even (laughs) Israel, you know, I mean, Israel is this morning with the one democratic country that has not aligned behind the pushback on Putin. And that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Nor is India. Right.
0: No, because the so you have to, again, look at the world view of the leaders and the majority of the people, because these people in the in these democracies, people get elected. So what you do is the people elect a leader who is reflects their worldview, which says a lot about Donald Trump in America. Oh, yeah. Uh, And so. So these leaders who get elected reflect the average worldview of the people in the nation, and and so India goes is quite low on the scale of well-being, and its democracy is really something inherited from the, you know the British, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's what it is. Right. But if being left to evolve on their own, I don't think they would be at that same that, have that same democracy because. The the people who are more into what I call state awareness, like Putin and authoritarian, are still running the country in India. And the Indians, you know, have their eyes on Pakistan. You know, I mean, you talk about Russia taking over Ukraine. Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) India, I think somewhat some level. Right. wants to take over pakistan just as the yeah, chinese and China, want to and take China over. is
1: looking at taiwan like they exactly. all have their little their little yeah yeah
0: they all have their unmet needs if i may put it from their childhood yeah around power and empire building and this was the same with isis and it was the same with you know same world view we want to dominate the world and it wasn't about religion you see there wasn't a war of religions it was a war of worldviews, and it just happens that that when you have people operating from what i call state awareness whatever religion they have becomes the religion of the state and so you know if you are different then um they they're trying to dominate you through power and they're bringing their religion with them it's not a There are no wars of religions, there are wars of worldviews, basically. Now, maybe at one point in the past, there were wars of religions, but we don't see that happening now. These are wars of worldviews.
1: So there's a book I read recently by Will Storr called The Status Game. And it's consistent with another book I read a couple of years ago that was all about war, but basically the history of war. And that author, Mm -hmm. and I forget his name, and Will Storr both make the claim that the majority of wars are fueled not by the desire for the natural resources of another country, but actually for increased status or standing.
0: Yeah, level three consciousness. Look at me, (laughs) I'm the tough guy here. And why? Because you never got to be the tough guy in your childhood. You were beaten, the hell hell was beaten out of you by your parents, Mm -hmm. either the mother or the father. And so you never got to be the tough guy. And so now that unmet need from childhood still there. And I, and, and I want to prove to you that I am the best. I am more than good enough. Because we learn during our teenage years, if we live in a world where we're constantly struggling and coming up against being beaten up or whatever, we learn that... Uh, believe that we're not good enough and that we spend the rest of our lives trying to show people we are good enough and again this is one of the failings of Donald Trump he's still operating from level three consciousness because he never got his needs met at that level because he's always focusing on his image you know so that's like that's a telltale sign of, and also another telltale sign and I thought it was interesting these leaders love to show displays of power so Every year, they'll have a military parade with all of their weapons Mm -hmm. going by. And Trump wanted to do that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. And I thought, there it is. That's who he is. He's not that much different from these other people.
1: But uh, but Richard, as you said, he, like Putin, like Modi, like they're tapping into a vein, right? They are. They're tapping into a nationalistic worldview of the... the, Exactly.
0: And the Yeah, and the reason is parenting. You see, this is another whole theme of the book, you know. Think about parenting for a moment, you know. Who are the most abused people on the planet? Women. They have been for 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. So they don't have great Mm self-esteem. And they're depressed. And they are are charged pretty much with building up, bringing up children. Mm -hmm. So how are these children going to be brought up if the mother has low self-esteem, and feels depressed mm-hmm. well they're going to be brought up with all of those attitudes mm-hmm. and and that's been that's been the issue for the last 6000 years is really child rearing and if you read the the work of demos an american writer and psychologist and i agree with him that the issue is child rearing And the the issue behind child rearing is the status of women. And until we change the status of women, and until we change the methods of child rearing and education, we're not going to build the future citizens of humanity. And so for me, I think the whole of our future for humanity lies with women and, uh, and, and, and how they are treated in this male patriarchal world. We've got to get rid of this male, patriarchal world. I mean, I so it's, you know, the future of humanity lies in the hands of women. I'm not thrusting responsibility onto them. I'm just saying this is, and men have to be recognized that. And, and you know, <laughs> I find this fascinating. because Researching my book, I looked for, I looked for, I'm like you, Chris, I love to read and research. And I'm like, well, you know, we're two peas out of the same pod in that respect. Um, so I was researching matrilineal and matriarchal societies. I came across, there are six really quite important ones you can quickly read up about. And in Indonesia, where they have a thousand over a thousand different tribes. There is a matrilineal tribe and where the women own all the property and it's passed down to the daughters. <laughs> and they allow the men to be their figureheads and make decisions. They tell the men what to say now, that seems to me, that's my normal life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you resonate with that? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. no, now, but here's the interesting thing. I have a fellowship program where I take people on this journey for two years of the 18 e-learning course I that. And on this fellowship program for a year and a half now, I have three Indonesians. And I was mentioning this and about this matrilineal society in Indonesia and one of the fellows said, yeah, I'm from that tribe. I said, I don't believe it. He said, yeah. He, says, he said, you know, if you are born a man in that tribe and you have four daughters, indeed, you are blessed. Wow. Compare
1: that to China. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. You know, I, I want to <laughs> echo something, which is I, too, believe that, the future of the world of humanity is completely tied to how we evolve what I call the human development system, which is both child rearing, formal education, informal education, the role of community, the role of grandparents, like really completely remaking the system. And I think the point that you call out, which is really critical, which I haven't called out in my work, is, is the support of, of, of the mother of women. Yeah. Yep. Because you're right. And right or wrong, whether, you know, women are the primary, you know, caregiver and that in most situations and and we, you know, until we at a global level change the way we treat women. Yep. Yeah. I think that makes absolute, absolute good sense.
0: So I've. What I've looked at, I've looked at nations from their worldviews, and you know I've done that, and I've done a lot of research, 17 indicators, and one of them has to do with gender equality. And what i recognized is, and it's in the book, is that in all of these different worldviews, from clan to tribe to state to nation awareness, wealth awareness, the big shift in the status of the woman occurs at the, what I call... In people awareness, which is the, basically the Nordic nations, Sweden and New Zealand, and that is where the big shift in gender relations occurs. In all the other, in all of the other transitions from different worldviews, the women's situation improves a little bit, but doesn't improve a lot. So it's really it's this last shift into what I call level four consciousness, which is the big game changer for women.
1: Let's <laughs> um. Let's go back to the Ukraine. You know, I think yep. I think everybody is wondering what is what is the end game. Yep. Given Putin's worldview. Yep. I how, agree. Does this, how does this work out where he saves right. saves ego? He he can ride, get get back on his horse and take off his shirt and ride yeah. around. Feeling good about himself.
0: <laughs> I mean, if ever there was level three self-esteem, that was it, right?
1: Oh my God! Get, get
0: on my horse and take off my shirt, right?
1: <laughs> but, 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 you know, what? And obviously, you don't know. Game. Nobody really knows. But what do you think is a is a sellable end game to to a, a person with that kind of world? Do
0: yeah. Uh, well, as I said earlier, I don't think he can win. Now it's too late. Right. I don't think. I don't think he can. He can't save himself in the eyes of the world, but he's probably not interested in that because it's not his worldview. He just wants to look good amongst his people, and he. So, what I, so so so, Prime Minister of Ukraine, I think he's right in, in considering Ukraine as neutrality. I think that is. If I was a leader of Ukraine, I'd also be considering that because I want to save my people, but not at any cost, okay? And he's not going to do it at any cost. But so they're negotiating that uh, as of today, as of yesterday. And mm-hmm. We don't know where it's going, but actually I wouldn't trust Putin an inch. I mean, you know, he'd say one thing and do the next, something else the next day. So I think he's going to... I think with all of these sanctions and the shifting worldview of young people in, in Russia, in order to maintain his status in the world and his protection, he's going to have to move into the Stalinization of Russia.
1: Yeah, he can't. Yeah, right.
0: If he wants to maintain his ego and his self-esteem, he's got to breed fear. He's already doing that. I mean, you know, fear is everywhere in Russia now. And it has been improving, but now it's back big time. And, you know, that lady who went on television and held up the sign, you know, we saw it in the news. I mean, what courage that took and what courage it takes for these thousands and thousands of people in Russia to march in the streets against the war. I am full of admiration for these Russian people. There are other Russian people who sit in front of their tellies and just absorb everything, all of the lies. Well, fine, you know mm-hmm. that's their problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But you see, like Trump identifies with a certain group of people in in the USA, Putin identifies with a certain group of people like that who who believe his lies, right. and and his lies are not lies. For himself, they're they're his truth, but he designed for his own protection. And he can't see that. He can't see it. And so I think now Putin is 69 years old. I know Biden is 79 years old, but Putin's been Manipulating power for over twenty years now, he's either been prime minister or president. Or pre- I mean, he has just held on, held on, held on. He's manipulated right. everybody and everything through fear, and how long he can go on doing that, I don't know. Really? But let's say it could be ten or fifteen years now. So, for the prime minister of Ukraine to say, "Yeah, we will, we'll, we will, remain neutral," I think he's wants. To, I think he should play the long game, and that is. The country will be around for centuries but putin won't be and things and the situation in russia will change it will either become it'll become more stalinized and then some point putin will disappear he'll either die or he'll get kicked out or something will happen right. and then you'll see a new awakening in russia awakening for freedom and democracy at right. a level that never
1: experienced so Yes, another shot at glasnost right? Remember nose?
0: Yes, another shot at Glassnose. That's exactly what I think. But I don't know how long it's going to take. It's going to take... You see, you always have to have this long view in world affairs because things go up and they go down, and things go up and they go down. But the general trend is this. That's what I was telling you
1: earlier on. So your coming book is titled The Wars of Worldview. Worldviews. Worldviews. Does it imply that, does the last chapter, is it a happy chapter where you say, listen, <laughs> listen, the trend line of consciousness is going in the right direction, you know, that if we focus on putting, putting women, you know, treating women the way they should be treated and, you know, fixing the human development system, that there will be fewer Putins and fewer Trumps? Is, is that, can I, can I... Okay, I'm going to comment on the happy the last chapter
0: and his happiness level in a minute, but all of this philosophy is in the humanity awareness initiative dot org. Humanity Awareness Initiative.org. And there's a whole training program there to evolve consciousness, which anybody can access. And I encourage listeners to go to Humanity Awareness Initiative.org. Now, let's say the last chapter. I don't know the answer. Is it going to be a happy chapter or not? It's going to be an illuminating chapter, that I can tell you. And is there a prescription for the future? Yeah, I've already it's already there in the Humanity Awareness Initiative. I've already written about it in the last book on the okay. on worldview dynamics. This book is more about getting a deepening understanding of what is what we need to focus on in order to create global well-being. Okay. And what we need to focus on is things. Primary is what I just, we talked mm-hmm. about women, mm-hmm. child rearing. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a f- That's the future. If we really want it.
1: I totally agree. I mean, that's one of the, my frustrations here in America is at the last three presidential elections, none of the candidates, I'm not talking about the people who are elected, but all the candidates democratic and Republican, none of them mentioned what I call the human development system, formal none. education, informal education, support for, for parents, none of them. No, no. And you're like, that's the root cause of all of all this division, right? Of these worldviews that are not maybe the healthiest, most conscious worldviews. Why isn't anybody talking about that? I you guess- know,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. That's the question. And if you want an example, look what happened in the, you know. In the Nordic nations, in 1850, the leaders in the Nordic nations got together and said, you know, industrialization is coming. People are moving to the cities. We got to prepare people. And so they did a transformation program in the folk, Husset, as they called it. They, 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 Well, it was, we call it further education or something like that. And they put on these programs, which were all about psychological development and that went on from 1850 all the way to the end of the second world war and what that did was it elevated the consciousness of these nations and that's why you know they're the most productive they're the most efficient they look after their people you you know you you get free health care you get free education they if you're a parent you get you know you get 6 months to 1 years leave whether you're a man or a woman right. to look after the child and they pay for it all right. and and it's like my gosh how wonderful to live in a country like that there's not enough notice given to those these no. nations and and it's all about the key is psychological development
1: I totally agree so richard i'm mindful of the time i want to need to wrap us up one of, one of my aspirations for every guest on my show is to leave the audience with something they can either do or something they can think about you know in this time of unsettling time with the ukraine situation and lives being lost and you know a lot of people i know are 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 obviously worried concerned any any advice to give to either assuage their worries or actions they can take or anything right Uh, so two or three things one one
0: is tap into your empathy and compassion so and this is happening all over europe people are throwing on you know in germany and all of the countries they're saying come come to we've got a spare room come and live with us now there are nearly three million refugees come and live with us we'll look after you now it's a little more difficult when you're so far away in America, but right. still, the, the empathy and compassion is is fundamentally important for these people and for your own growth and development. I mean, to, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, as I've got older, I've had to explore my empathy and compassion that, because it, you know it, something that happens later on in life. If you can do it earlier in life, that's great. That's point one. Point two. You can think about the future and the future generations and join the humanityawarenessinitiative.org in there there are these training programs exactly like the ones that they had in the nordic nations but even going further and you can download those they're free you can become you can become an ambassador you can become a facilitator and the idea is in every country on the, in every country to have a humanity awareness initiative office within 20 years from now, and to mm-hmm. focus, and to do this exactly like the Nordics did. Now, at the moment, I'm seeking funding for that. At the moment, I'm just funding it out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much I can do. And But um, join the Humanity Awareness Initiative and start your own country team, and start using these courses that you can work on yourself, and then taking them out to other people, And what you're doing is you're elevating your consciousness and helping other people to elevate their consciousness. And there's lots and lots of materials there. So that's something that you can do for yourself and for, but you're actually doing it for future generations because you want this new worldview, this next worldview to be, go beyond even what's going on in in the Nordic nations. And I think the last thing is, don't give in to fear. Oh my gosh, you know, Mm. I always, I say this, but Fear, Amen, is the brother. Fear, Amen, brother. fear is the enemy. You know, if you get into fear, you're part of the problem. So how do you get out of fear and anxiety? Well, you know, I've studied this most of my life and um, and it's been hard to perfect, perfect this. And I'm still not 100% there, but I will not allow fear into my life, into anything that happens to me. And so how do I do that? I do it through my cosmology. what is my cosmology? My cosmology says, basically, I'm a soul having a human experience. I don't have a soul. No, I am the soul. And my soul incarnated into my body for a particular reason, to, for, with certain gifts and talents. And as you know, my gifts and talent is a lot about writing and speaking. And, and that's what my soul. And so if you can surrender to your soul, everything you need, find a deep sense of well-being, a health, and vitality will come to you. Absolutely. Because you're living from that deeper energetic level. Now, people with disease and with illnesses
1: mm-hmm.
0: have somehow, and depression, have somehow got a little bit of cost. Okay. So they need to realign with their soul. And that's what I write about. That's everything that I'm about is what I call ego-soul alignment and when you get into ego soul alignment now the ego is positive but it has fears that's the problem right. with the ego it has fears right. and if we can get if you can eliminate your fears and your anxiety
1: right yeah then you my, can yeah. move forward my my two my two quick reactions to both of that last piece is i write that and written that courage is a choice which is to say when fear appears we can choose to embrace it accept it you know, be overruled by it or ruled by it, or we can choose courage. And my journey over the last 20 years, particularly has been learning how to choose courage more, which is not to say that I, I choose it all the time.
0: You're you're human, Chris, like the rest of us.
1: Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, well, listen, Richard, very wonderful to talk to you again. Thank you for all the wisdom and the insights and for the, and for the work, you know, and the humanity um, awareness initiative I'm working on, we are two peas of a pod and I'm working on something similar. And the message, the message to to anybody is don't stand on the sidelines, you know, that we can, we can and arguably must create a more human first society. And, and so whatever little, even little actions ultimately add up to big, to big consequences. So, you know, wherever you are in this, you know, Acumen. everybody
0: can make a contribution
1: exactly so, yeah thank you for being on the show i love you and i so appreciate you and you know i'm sure i'll talk to you soon
0: well thank you chris it's been a delight as always i was very excited when you invited me because i felt like I, <laughs> it and was oh an by opportunity. the way one last
1: thing before we go when is the book going to be available do you think
0: you know what i'm keep saying summer but it might be autumn i don't know Keep getting diverted. You know what it's like when you're writing oh, yeah. a book. All this other stuff comes up and you feel like you have to get it out of the way and then you'll get on with the book, but then something else comes up. So, exactly. yeah. I mean, it's, it's 80 to 90% done. I'm just writing this last chapter about current affairs, basically. I want to just, you know, trying to get my yeah. soul to give me some guidance on this last couple of chapters.
1: Well, as long as they're happy, that's all I care about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I know. All right, Richard, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening today. Wherever you are as a leader on your transformation journey, you'll find more helpful resources at chriscolbert.com. From more podcast episodes and my film talks from around the globe to my blog and books. And if you're a CEO or leader interested in getting my advice, you can reach me there too. Just head over to chriscolbert.com. Thanks for listening.